I just want to be clear. I did not purposely pick another movie with an adult baby in it to follow the baby on purpose. It just happened to end up that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And debatably, the baby's still more disturbing. And welcome back to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. As always, I'm Anya. Hi, I'm Alex. Today we are discussing a movie I had never heard of before, which <laughs> I feel like says a lot. So yeah, Auntie Lee's Meat Pies. I feel like it's a movie that feels just from the name like it would have been made in the 70s. And that's really the mm. vibe I was expecting. Um, but No. No, 92, my my birth year. So, so lucky for me. This movie, um, I also, the first time I watched it, I had never heard of it either. Um, it, funny enough, the first time I watched it was, I think, yeah, it must have been early. It must have been the top of this year. And I was on a vacation with my parents for two weeks, which very grateful. They really spoiled me. But at the same time, um, I think as an adult, being on vacation with your parents, no matter how much you love them for two weeks um, and it can find space can drive you a little crazy. So mm-hmm. I was in our little Airbnb, my bedroom being like, I have to have time away. And friend of the pod and guest on the baby episode, which you have, if you haven't listened, you must listen. It's so fun. Uh, Cornelia was like, oh, we should do like a movie night, like virtually or whatever. So we did the whole classic, like, okay, we're on like, you know, Google fucking meet trying to like sync up our like, you know, movies to play at the same time. She found this. I don't entirely know how she found it. If she told me I forgot, <laughs> but I mean, we tend to watch like a lot of like weird, crazy shit together. So when she brought this up, I was like, yeah, say less. And like the poster for it, which I think is like, um, I know Vinegar Syndrome did a release of this movie on DVD. And I think it might be from that release. But the the letterbox poster for this is like so fun. I was like, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to watch that. And it really did a lot for my uh, emotional state when I was stuck with my parents. <laughs> I was just like, wow, this was the escape that I needed. Um, but yeah, and then this is my first time rewatching it since then, which obviously was at the top of the year and I remembered a good portion of it but there were things about it that I didn't remember that I was like oh so like it was it still felt like I was like going on a journey doing this rewatch which we'll Mm -hmm. definitely discuss but obviously for you this was fresh in every way for you yeah I mean I just looked at the poster you were talking about it is pretty sick I mean it's a lot of like limbs and eyeballs and a nice rack of boobies what a beautiful it feels poster. like a poster that would fit perfectly, I feel like, with your aesthetic in your kitchen, you know, like oh my hot God. lady, big titties, making a pie, but it's like, you know, Fuck. body parts. I I, we know, do both. have like a lot of really weird like horror posters all around our house and we specifically have posters in the kitchen that are like food-based films. Yeah. Shit, I do like this poster. Um, but yes, I have never heard of it. When I looked it up and I saw Karen Black was the lead, I was like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Um, but – I mean, I went into it as blind as I possibly could. And even after watching it, I have not looked anything up because I'm like, 
I want you to teach me anything that you found because I feel like depending on the background and the production kind of information you give, it might skew my opinion one way or the other. Um, Interesting. I'm just, I'm very curious, but yeah, I mean, I have a lot of opinions. Um, I definitely think you like this film more than I do. Um, There's definitely things I like about it and there's definitely things I really don't like about it, but I think this is the longest film we've ever done. It's an hour 40. I feel like we've never we never every do. film we've ever done. I don't know, man. I feel like maybe Maximum Overdrive could have been longer, but like, it's like most of the films we do, I feel like are an hour twenty, maybe. Yeah, an hour I mean, and they, they a lot are like definitely short. Um, I just like I just based on the name and the description, I was like, oh, this is going to be a tight like eighty minutes. And then when it was an hour forty, I was like, why do you have so much to say? Okay, and it is just a lot of it is filled with like heavy bosoms and disgusting dialogue that made me want to crawl out of my skin. Heavy bosoms, she says. Are they I'm not? I'm trying to see for like main episode up, up until this point what the longest one has been. Um, I feel like maybe Taurus Trap or Maximum Overdrive would be my... Actually, Ginger Snaps is longer. Oh, that Ginger is two Snaps hours. Is 108 it? minutes, yeah. Oh, that's not... Okay, okay. Just for this type of film, I was I was taken aback a little bit, but it didn't feel an hour and forty. I will say that. No, it goes by pretty quickly. And I, um, which anyone looking to watch the film, it is streaming on Tubi, which is where mm-hmm. I watched it. Um, even with like the ad breaks, like it, it yeah, went by because I watched this like late last night because I like got home late and then I was like, well, I know my ass is gonna want to sleep in. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm not about to wake up before this pod recording and watch it. So, I was like, I need to stay up and watch it. So, I was, like, watching this, like, till, like, one in the morning type shit. And I wasn't like, oh, my God, my eyes are bleeding. It won't mm-hmm. end. Like, it went pretty pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, I feel like um, there's a lot to say about the content of this film. Um, mm. And before we get to that, um, obviously, we have the fun facts, which – I will sadly report now, not a lot to be found I'm not on this shocked. film. Uh, as I previously said, I do believe there was a Vinegar Syndrome uh, release of this. And I do think that there's like probably special features on that that like mm. have more information possibly. Or in, I would love to see it at some point. I'd love to give my hands on a copy of this DVD, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but... In terms of some facts about the film. Well, should um, I give a synopsis first? Oh, yeah. You should mm. give a synopsis. I mean, I don't really want to, but I will. Um, You're so giving. Well, I was thinking about this earlier, and I was like, I just feel personally like this is one of those films that I find to be a little bit more difficult to give a summary for because mm. not to say that it doesn't have like a straightforward narrative because it does, but it's it feels sometimes more like a bunch of stuff just happening. And so there's a lot to like cover in a synopsis without it dragging on and on. So I will do my very best to try to make this as concise as I possibly can, but there's a lot of information to get through. So mm. please bear with me here. If you have not seen the film and you would like to know what it is about, Auntie Lee's Meat Pies is set in a small town uh, called Penance, California, where there is a thriving small business called Auntie Lee's Meat Pies, run by none other than Auntie Lee, played by Karen Black, her four beautiful and voluptuous nieces, and her brother, I believe, Larry, 
who is into, uh, has an intellectual disability. They are the main core of the film. And I feel like the first 40-ish minutes or so are kind of just establishing those characters, their, you know, relationships with men and the way that they carry themselves. So the first niece that we meet is Magnolia. She is, in my opinion, the most beautiful of the four nieces. Um, She picks up who she thinks is a hitchhiking priest or minister, but us as the audience already know that this man is a on a mass killing spree, getting into any car he can find. Um, Unfortunately for him, he's gotten into the wrong car and she kills him and brings his body back to Auntie Lee and Larry, where if you haven't figured it out by now, they're going to turn that man into a meat pie. Mm -hmm. So good job. Uh, Second niece we meet is Fawn, who is the blonde. She's notably, they they say a few times that she's the oldest. Um, I would say she's definitely the one who owns her sexuality the most of all of them, even though they all very much do. And she's out doing deliveries for the pies, dealing with creepy men. And she ends up hitchhiking or picking up a hitchhiker by the name of Bob Evans, who we find out is on the lam from the police. We don't really know what he's done aside from like not paying a breakfast tab but considering the fact that there is a private investigator from new york city in this tiny little town in california looking for him it's clearly something bad so in order to hide out for a little bit he goes back to auntie lee's house with her where he is seduced and murdered Mm. our third niece is Hmm. coral who We meet very briefly after she has a flat tire and Sheriff Cole, who is another main character, takes her home, goes over, has some delicious meat pie where he says it's the tastiest he's ever had it. The herbs and spices are just so perfect. Um, And then we meet the fourth niece named Skye, who doesn't really have much of her own personality kind of laid out as much as the other two or three do, but her and Coral seem to have kind of like a sibling rivalry and they're very much a pair together. And that's that's the cast of people. Um, and at this point, I feel like it kind of goes into a main plot and then two kind of subplots. So I'll just quickly address the subplots when they come into relevancy at the end. But essentially, these girls' jobs is to go find men to bring home, seduce, and kill and to make meat pies. So Coral and Sky go out on the side of the highway looking for some fresh meat and they discover a car coming down from New York city that is filled with these four rock stars and they're fucking gross. And they shoot out their tires with a fucking shotgun. And then they're like, Oh my God, guys, what happened? And they bring them back to auntie Lee's house where they are told they have to stay overnight because their car can't be fixed until the following morning. Obviously these men are like, okay. Cause they're all going to pair off with these four nieces. Um, and at dinner, uh, after a really normal blessing to Satan, uh, we're introduced to the fifth niece that Anya previously mentioned, who is a an adult woman named Baby, who is, if you listened to last week's episode, or last month's episode, I'm sorry, a baby, I guess. She lives in the crib. She seems to have the intellectual capacity of a baby, even though she is a grown woman, and she's very sexualized. It's gross. I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, And then after dinner, all of the women go off into their own cool glow-in-the-dark rooms with their rock star of choice to seduce and kill them. You know, just another Monday for them. Um, Meanwhile, those little subplots I mentioned, um, 
the private investigator is going around town trying to locate Bob Evans, trying to find the last time anybody saw him, which leads him back to Auntie Lee's house where he encounters Magnolia, who he has seen throughout the film a few times and has already professed his love for. Um, And she, with her sisters, I guess, uh, collectively, again, seduce and kill him. The other subplot, Larry, my good boy Larry, he is gone out to fix the tire on Coral's car, and he interacts a lot with the sheriff, asking him if he can become a police officer, and it's made very clear that he wants to be a cop and help people, but unfortunately, the sheriff discovers a bunch of human body parts in Coral's car, and Larry takes the fall for it and says, they made fun of me, so I killed them. The film ends with the sheriff bringing Larry back to Auntie Lee's house rather than to prison because he is a good friend of this family and he has respect for them and he wants to give them the courtesy of letting them know Larry killed a bunch of people. He's going to go to prison. But Mm -hmm. Auntie Lee, she's not going to let her family go like that. So sorry, sheriff, you have to go too. And the film ends with a lot of fresh meat needing to be made into pies and possibly a dream on the horizon of taking their business to a bigger city, maybe like New York. Hmm. Yeah. So I told you, you got to get through a lot. That is 1992's (laughs) Auntie Lee's Meat Pies. Um, But yeah, well, so now onto the fun facts, um, which there is not a lot. Um, It was a 1.5 million budget, which as we all know at this point, I'm kind of surprised. Bigger than some of the other ones in that we've done. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, but also in 92, like, it, as it is today, like, that's not a lot of money at all. Um, no, but for this kind of film, I feel like it's a lot. No, like, this very much feels, like, I was a little shocked to be like, oh, like, I thought we were going to be working with significantly less than that. Yeah. But also when I think about it, I'm like, the film doesn't look bad. Like, it no, looks- No, and I guess, like, Karen Black is a really big name, so I guess- I wouldn't be surprised yes. if a lot of the budget went to, like, just getting her to sign on. Um, And the director, who is Joseph R. Robertson, um, to no shock to, I'm sure, anybody, he was mainly known uh, as an American adult film writer, producer, and director. Okay. Who could have who could have seen that coming? That was some information um, I was hoping to gather. But the uh, the director was like, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say it was like, oh, it was a woman. And this is like, and then I'll read everything in a different light. But no. No, okay. girl. Come on, please. <laughs> I hope you, you can hope. Um, and all of the women in the film, in, in terms of like all of the nieces, except, mm-hmm. um, including baby, but except, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this actress's name right, Terry uh, Weigel okay. or something like that. Um were all who plays carol terry played carol a quick coral god of mercy um, well to be fair everyone in the film says it like carl and i'm like carl um all of them appeared in playboy magazine at some point which also i don't Mm -hmm. think is shocking at all they are all beautiful with beautiful bodies Mm -hmm. um and this actually um was filmed in the same house as motel hell oh well there you go which tracks completely in yeah. terms of like one just being very regular. like when they showed the house I was like there's probably was like so familiar feeling but but on this rewatch I was like probably because I've seen this movie before but it's, <laughs> I think it's actually because it's from Motel Hell um and also because like baking people into 
your meaty delights is mm-hmm. very Motel Hell as well. Oh, um, yeah. it, this movie feels but, like Motel Hell meets Sweeney Todd. Well, I uh, I have to talk about that because I feel like we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, okay. There was a lot of things where I was like, this feels like this meets this meets this meets this. <laughs> yeah. um, meets a but, other than that, um, the only thing to make note of is kind of like some of the stars of the film, which you brought up already, Karen Black, who mm-hmm. um, is – it's been in a lot of shit of note, but especially in a lot of horror stuff. I mean, she's in this. She's in Burnt Offerings, Invaders from Mars, Trilogy of Terror, House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a horror icon. Um, so anytime, you know, you spot a horror icon, that's great. And then you have um, – Pat Morita, who's actually best known as Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. Um, oh my I god, are you did... Thought I did not clock yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, as the sheriff. Um, oh my god. He also did some voice god. work in Mulan, so like he's a legend too. Yeah, you are you gagged? fucking mind, um, yes. <laughs> you um, gagged, baby, what? And then you were talking about Larry, played by Michael Berryman. Also, yes, I'm sure him. many people would recognize him as, once again, a horror icon in both Hills Have Eyes 1 and 2, uh, The Devil's Rejects, uh, Lords of Salem, this, a lot of, a lot of like, straight-to-video, straight-to-streaming, like, yeah. very low-budget horror movies. But, yes, he is very much a horror staple himself. Um, I've heard that he's, like, one of the nicest people you could ever meet. That's what I've also heard. And he definitely was on – they might have shown Hills Have Eyes on the last drive-in at one point. Mm-hmm. I think they the did. The original Hills came, Have Eyes, want to clarify. Yes. Um, and he came in as a special guest to talk to Joe Bob. And he was – he just – I mean, I was not there. I was watching it on TV. You were there? He oh, my seemed, God. I was, I was there. He was so nice. Um, he seemed like a very lovely, sweet man. Yeah. Um, and I know that, like, I, I don't – let's see if I can see here. Um, he um, has – yes, let's see if I can pronounce this. Hy- hypohydrotic – ectodermal dysplasia mm-hmm. um it's a rare genetic condition which prevents him from developing hair sweat glands or fingernails which is why he has a very distinct visual appearance and i think because of that and i, I think he's talked about this is obviously why he's like was cast in something like hills of eyes or whatever where these like mm-hmm. these movie like monster type s roles like scary guys where something i appreciated about this role specifically is i was like when i look at him even, I mean, Hills of Eyes, you're supposed to obviously feel like he's scary, but like there was something always bad where I'm like, I don't know, he seems very sweet. To me, he has a very sweet face. Mm-hmm. And so I think him playing in this movie, like a character that like, beyond obviously like playing in a way where even though it's not stated, it feels like, yes, he has an intellectual disability. That aside, he's just like a very sweet character. Obviously, he's trying to help out these yeah. girls a lot or whatever. I was like, see, like, that's how I read him. Like, I would never, I feel like, look at this man and be like, he's scary. I'm like, he just seems like, I don't know, like, sweet. Like, yeah, I don't I know, feel he like could be in like Winnie the Pooh or something. Yeah, his table would probably be like the first one I would gravitate towards at like a Comic-Con because I'd be like, I feel like I could talk to him and he would be nice and I wouldn't have to be nervous. Exactly. It's the energy he's he energy. Yeah. But two other people to make a note of, some victims, um, one being um, actor Stephen Quadros, I believe is how you say his last name, uh, mm-hmm. who is um, uh, Bob Evans, the first man, well, technically the second man to get killed in the film. He looks familiar um, to me. Educate me. He um, – this is very, I feel like, niche. He um, is also in Demon Wind – which I know okay. you have seen. Uh-huh. Um, he's also in another movie that Cornelia and I watched recently, which was not good, called Shock'em Dead. Um, <laughs> he was a lead in that. Um, and then he has done, like, a bunch of, like, random, like, shit that I'll probably never uh-huh. watch. But I did recognize him. He's not, like, as big, I would say, as, like, a horror icon star as some of these other yeah. people. But 
you know, who else? And I remember when the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, I fucking know this guy. I know I was going crazy, like on the fucking call with Cornelia. I was like, I gotta figure this out. Well, <laughs> um, one of the rock stars, specifically Phil, the rock star, okay. um, played by Grant Kramer, um, is the um lead Mike Tobacco in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <gasps> oh yeah, girl. my yeah. god. Gagged you twice. <laughs> I don't have any feelings about the Karate Kid as a film, but Killer Clowns, I have a lot of opinions. Now, wait a minute. Oh my um, God. How did I not know yeah, that? So, uh, so ultimately, all to say is that, you know, it's a bunch of horror icons shooting a different movie at the Motel Hell House and <laughs> for a low budget. And that's what we're going to get into talking about. Because um, that wraps up my fun facts. But to be to start where you brought up when you said it was um Sweeney Todd meets Motel Hell, which mm, I completely yeah. agree. I also said I said it was the best little whorehouse in Texas meets either Sweeney Todd and or Motel Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an amalgamation of all of them. Um, especially because I don't know if you've seen Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Um, I've not, but I, I can gather a Burt Reynolds, Dolly Parton flick, uh, and a musical. Um. But the, the 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 whole thing of it being like you know Dolly Parton would essentially be the Karen Black character of like running this brothel or whatever. I mean, I appreciate their ML more than I do like a Sweeney Todd or a Motel Hell because Motel Hell, from what I can remember, was just like anybody that fucking showed up at the motel was getting planted in that backyard. And Sweeney well, they had the weird Todd- thing where like the old guy was also trying to like marry that like young girl. Yeah, I did that? like that. Yeah, and then in Sweeney Todd, it's like. Anyone who comes to the barber who, like, maybe won't be missed. Whereas this feels like it's very much cemented in, like, shitty men are going to get fucking got. And it's like, I'm going to use my sexuality to lure you in. And if you fall for it and if you come to me, I'm going to, like, I'm going to kill you. So I love that they just kill men. I mean, that's very much our energy. No, yeah. And and I definitely love that. And it's one of these, I think in general, because we have to get into like, I think a big talking point, which mm-hmm. to, to to lead into it, obviously with other films we've talked about, especially the, you know, the older films and in the horror genre. And it's something that we have accepted as horror fans, I think accepted, especially as female horror fans that like, not to excuse everything or whatever, but I think we're able to look at these things with a critical eye and not completely be like, not looking at it, not looking at it, not talking about it, um, is that there's going to be things in these movies that are like get yeah, that age like shit especially when they're made by a man especially when they're made mm-hmm. by a man that like comes from the adult film industry um and a big thing with this movie which i've i forgot this completely i forgot how the movie opens so when it was like you know what's his name like this like criminal thug mm-hmm. type who was like clearly got a dead body in his own car he like whatever like gets him with the priest kills the priest and then all that leads up to him meeting um Magnolia. Did you say it was Magnolia, um, and getting in the car with her, and I, when that happens, I was like, right, yes, okay, and she's definitely gonna kill him, which mm-hmm. does happen. And so I wasn't even thinking about anything, and then I forgot that like there's a whole thing of like him tr- essentially like chasing her out of the car trying to rape her she's like fight like fighting like really fucking hard like against him and then he like hits her over the head and this part to me was confusing 
Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Where she she gets knocked unconscious, and then the shot is, like, POV from, like, her POV, I guess, on the ground, although she's Mm -hmm. unconscious, what it would look like, of him above her. And he's, like – he's, like, grunting, but he's also, like, not moving. So I was, like, am I – are we implying that he's having sex with her? So that already I was, like, I'm going to go, like, and say probably yes. Um, And then he, like, finishes, rolls off of her, but they're both still fully clothed. And – then he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Immediately her eyes open up as if she was, like, faking being unconscious. And then stabs him in the head and he's dead. So I was like, okay. He, yeah. I'm happy that he died. <laughs> and I think, not to keep, just to finish this thought very briefly, yeah, yeah. I, this I think then spirals into throughout the rest of the film. That they keep bringing up rape. Mm-hmm. But, like, like, as just, like... There's no other, to my recollection, no other scenes of that physical act happening, but they keep throwing the word around, but in a way where it's as if, like, these women love it. And I'm like, what are we talking about? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was something I made note of. Um, because also, yes, the to just address the opening scene in general, um, it is very confusing because... Once she's knocked out, he is, like, definitely making groaning sounds. And I think he's, like – you can see that he's very, like, lightly moving in, like, mm. a thrusting way. But, like, it was so confusing because, yeah, he is fully clothed the whole time. And, like, it, it's just very strange. Um, I'm not going to be mad that they didn't make it more explicit. But it is confusing. But the amount that they talk about it or talk about rape in general throughout the rest of the film, there are three at least specific sequences I can think yes. of. Where yeah. it is brought up. And there's even a moment early on where Magnolia is talking to Auntie Lee. And Auntie Lee is like, oh, well, that, like, bruise on your eye is, like, going down. And she says, like, oh, it's no big deal. I kind of liked it. And Auntie Lee was like, don't you say that. And she's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, why? Why? Okay. It's, like, it's one thing to have, like, a kink. But, like, that's not a kink. Uh, that we should be promoting here of being a sexually assaulted and beat by a stranger. Yeah, um, it's it's very confusing. But they like two of the times that they bring up rape are in moments where one of the nieces is like asking one of the male suitors, like, "Have you raped someone? Or did you rape this person? Or did you rape that person?" And it's very aggressive and weird. But also, they get like mad. When the guy's, like, not really replying back about it and, like, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, like, very fucking weird. But the thing that really annoyed me was there's a scene with Sky and Coral. And Coral oh, is yeah. like, you raped that boy last night. And Sky's like, what boy? You're just jealous of my body. And it's just, like, a very casual mention of, like, you raped that blonde boy last night, remember? And she's like, oh, you just want my body. You're jealous of me. And I'm like, why are we casually throwing around that you raped a boy? it's it's truly bizarre because yeah that i mean uh, at the end of the day this movie's written by men yep you know so already like their their understanding of this is like fucking subterranean they're on some bat shit like it's not understandable like even on the rewatch because i remember when i was watching this this time and I, this was all happening, and I was like, Jesus, God. And then I remember, I was like, I feel like even when Cornelia and I watched it, like, there's a lot of parts that are enjoyable and, like, fun and silly and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then one of these would pop up again, and we'd both be like, hey. Yeah. Like, there, and the thing is, like, in general, like, with most of these goddamn movies, like, 
rape in any capacity, blah, 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 like, not necessary. You could take it off, doesn't affect anything. That's how I feel about this. But I, even with this, it's, it's such a weird combination because, yeah, like, the initial scene of the only thing time we're, like, even seeing that happen at the, the start. In terms of other movies, I guess if we really have to, like, it's one of the more, quote, unquote, tasteful ones because you don't see anything and whatever but like it's still a rape scene so it's Mm -hmm. it's weird and then yeah it is just like the mentions of like i know exactly what you're talking about because it's um fawn in the car with bob evans when he says there's a crime and she's like oh is it like and it's so quick and it's so sudden that you're like what the fuck she asked him if that's why his crime and he like is like not like kind of like blows it off he says like uh let's say it was because i skipped out on breakfast which we find out later he did do but again like you didn't say no, you didn't rape somebody. Yeah. Like, I would just be like, why is his reaction not like, what the fuck? No. Yes. No, which reaction is <laughs> like, you ask me that? And then, well, then the fucking private investigator, when he comes by the house at the end, and there's this big moment again <laughs> with um, Magnolia, where there's this big fucking monologue she has, where she's like, oh, like, what are you going to do to me? Like, you're going to throw me down. You're going to be like, so rough with me. And you're like, okay, girl, you're being crazy. And then she says again, like, you know, like, you know, like, rape me or like, tell him unco- or some crazy shit. Yeah. And he's like, it's wild. And then he's like, no, like, I promise I would never do that. Which, once again, I'm like, girl, you need to run. Like, she's saying some insane shit. And then she's like, oh, like, that's too bad. I thought we were going to have something good. And I was like. Exactly. Like, why is that her kink? I don't, I don't get it. And that's the thing is, like, you could push the limit of, like, oh, she, like, likes rough sex. She likes whatever. Like, fine. Already coming, though, from, like, a male perspective, it's just, like, gross, like, inherently. But it is just, like. Yeah, it's kind of fuck. No, that's not, it's not kind of. It is fucking nuts, like the way that they do this, and especially that scene. Yeah, between the two nieces, because it's like at that point I was like, whoever wrote this, do they, do they know what that word means? <laughs> because like, like, well, it's just so bizarre to me, and not just to say throwing that it around real easy cannot be rapist because they absolutely can, but I'm just like, it is brushed off so quickly, and I'm like. And other than that, we don't see any scene or indication of these women pushing men to sex that don't want it. Like, mm-hmm. I guess if that was, like, the ultimate storyline you were pushing, that's, I guess, a whole different conversation. But it's not. The storyline is, like, these are beautiful, seductive women that these men, like, want to fuck so badly that they will ignore all these red flags and then ultimately mm-hmm. become meat pies. So I'm just like... <laughs> Who? Uh, okay, like he, he, trying to rationalize like it, it makes used, you sound crazy. I feel like it was just used purely to develop that these two nieces have some kind of like rivalry with one another, yeah. and like have some kind of like jealousy. And it's like you could do that in so many ways without making one of them a rapist. I don't understand. And it could still ultimately be about, like, somebody they fucked and killed. Also, the rivalry after that scene never comes back. It really doesn't. I don't ever bring it up again. (laughs) It's not an issue. It's a (laughs) non-issue. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted to get that out of the way at the top because it's not fun to talk about. And uh, when I say, like, it didn't have a greater effect, it's because, like, other than that opening fucking scene, nothing, like happens there's just these like weird one-off moments of them like continuously bringing up that word and then you're like what and nobody reacts to it and then they move on (laughs) i think it's (laughs) weird because like it's very clear that these characters have been established as like strong women 
who own their sexuality and like use it to their advantage. And so to throw around a word for something that is like taking away that power from the women is just like a strange dichotomy to have. Like you're telling me and showing me by all these things about like how strong and capable they are. But why are we also like throwing around rape constantly? I don't really get it. And I think this comes into another thing that I thought about, not specific to this, but once again, I think it comes from a place of this is coming from male filmmakers, Mm -hmm. um, is that it would seem, given the film as a whole, even though it's silly and campy and ridiculous and da-da-da-da-da, is that it would appear on release the the messaging here is or like the thing you're supposed to feel is like oh like these women that are really overtly like sexual they're sluts and i mean that in the non-derogatory sense um because of that they're evil and they're dangerous and Mm -hmm. you know they're out to destroy men even if these men suck whatever like these women are more evil than them because like look at the drain shit they're doing whereas i feel like watching it now I can choose to like for lack of a better way of putting it like reclaim this as like other than the shit we just talked about as Mm -hmm. empowering that these women are like so in charge of their sexuality I mean I guess to a certain degree like it's fucked up and it shouldn't be in there and I do not agree with it but even her being like no like I like to be sexually assaulted which is like insane and would never happen and it's not a real thing um I guess even that is like her being like I'm in control I don't know that's like a fucking reach in itself but like I think that's why I wanted to know so much about like who made the film and like what their background was and what their intent was because it does feel like a lot because I would like to at some point also discuss the acting in this film because a lot of it felt like it could go either way of being like oh this is a purposefully campy over the top movie where we're supposed to like root for the bad guys or it's the other thing of like it's just a movie where we're sexualizing these women and then like you know just being silly and goofy but like it's meant to you know just kind of be a film where we can like look at boobies um so I would like to also Um, even though I feel like because it was created by a man who you know mostly made pornography it was probably more of the the latter but I would like it to be an empowering uplifting women about beautiful women who fucking run a business and don't take shit from men yeah and I mean ultimately like I I just don't believe there's any universe in which like when this was made the intention was not like let's look at boobies like blah 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 because even though like you're you're with a one member essentially of the family at all times like seeing the story through their world like so it would feel like because like it's not like it's not like a texas chainsaw which also i feel like there was a little influence of that there too like there's a scene when bob evans comes in and they have like the canvas in the kitchen that's like literally human skin stretched over it and i was like very texas chainsaw um but so it would like it's not like a Texas Chainsaw where you're following the group of kids and then yes you meet like you know Bubba and the family but like you're not mm-hmm. watching scenes like through them you're still like with everybody else where like this is like you're watching it through like Auntie Lee and the, the nieces so it would feel like they're the protagonists mm-hmm. and like you're hoping they don't get caught which like I think that's where it comes in where it's like so when I watch it now 
Yes. And I think probably most horror fans, because that's just like inherently like how you feel a lot of times watching horror stuff. You're like, yeah, I want some crazy shit to happen. I want them to get away with it. Um, Mm -hmm. Where like, it just feels like, I don't know, like, it didn't feel like there was an intention when it was made to empower women in any capacity. It was like, let's see these beautiful playboy models with their chests out. And even in the moments when it's like these moments of like levity between the girls, like it's insane shit of like yeah like you you and blah blah that boy that other night and like you're just jealous of me it feels like obviously like very much at like look at these big bimbos that are like evil and crazy like Mm -hmm. which whatever but what i will say briefly is if you want a better movie i think that you'll enjoy more maybe other people listening that Mm -hmm. it is there's slight similarities in terms of bimbos. It's called Assault of the Killer Bimbos. It is directed <laughs> by a woman. Okay. Um, immediately. It's great. very fun and it is very empowering, I feel like, to women. Um, I would highly recommend you it. Tell by the name. To the Crackle. It is it is not a horror movie. It's like an action crime comedy, but it's um from 1988, 85 minutes. Highly recommend. Um, anyways, I just was thinking about that. I was like, let me get that in there. Um, you know, if you need a palate cleanse, but, um, we also talk about the fact that they're Satanists because I forgot that too. Um, It's one of the best parts. Well, yes. I think what the film does, I won't say that it's like written expertly by any means, but like there's obviously something more going on because we know that they're being made into meat pies like that. You kind of fucking know from the title and you kind of know very early on but the way specifically karen black as auntie lee like talks to the girls talks about certain things at one point before we get the full like we're satanist reveal she talks about how magnolia missed sunday mass and like she cannot mm. do that like she says something about like him which of course you're like is it, is it god is it jesus and you're like girl there ain't no fucking way it's god or jesus like i kind of was at that point i was like I hope it's Satan. I hope it's Satan. <laughs> and I was right. Um, but yeah, there's like a lot of, I feel like this, like, why are they doing this ultimately? Because I think because of, once again, written by men, there's no actual agency behind any of the things these women are doing. It feels like for the most part, um, mm-hmm. it is just kind of like, it's just these, these bimbos killing people for meat pies <laughs> where the question is posed where it's like, but why like why do they have to be doing that like is it really just like they are sick freaks that get off on it but like ultimately it's revealed in a completely like a non-climactic way when they have the band at dinner and there's like 300 candles lit which i was like why so many candles and then auntie lee is like oh it's like the candles for like all the people that like have like visited us and have like gone on yeah um (laughs) Which is funny. But she literally just starts saying this like grace. And you're like, okay. Overtly being like, thank you, Dark Lord, blah, blah. <laughs> like not hiding in the slightest. She says Lucifer. Which of course like then the dumb guys are like, well, like heavy metal prayer. But I was just like, <laughs> I love that none of them are like, this is freaky. Like this bitch is just like straight up with her full chest. Like Satan, I love you. This is for you, King. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a red flag number one, fellas. Yeah. But I guess, like, they want to get their dick wet so bad. And then, obviously, at the end, it's once again, like, when they're, like, stabbing the private investigator in the pool. And, like, I think – isn't, like, the water, like, chain, like going red and oh, shit? Oh, no. It's, it's like- gorgeous. She has, like, a red light behind her. as She's, like, throwing what looks like fucking, like, sugar into the pool. And she's yeah. like, the circle is complete. And I don't really know what 
that means. Um, I feel like I feel like the Satan stuff honestly was thrown in there for like a thousand percent. Like, oh, you 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 think it's bad enough that these hot women have their tits out and are killing men and eating them? Well, guess what? They love Satan too. Like, it's just it's so ridiculous. But I I find it more entertaining because it can it gives them a motive, and I like it. Do it for Satan. Well, it's funny because, especially coming from the fact that this is made by an adult film director, mm-hmm. you would think to a certain degree, at least when the Satanism comes in, I because I think it goes back once again to being like, oh, like, these sexual women are evil because they're so sexually, like, open and, like, in charge. And then it's like, I feel like it would be like, there's like, uh, um, this feeling of, like, almost like this Christian or Christianity, like, push of like yeah like loose women like that are like the work of satan mm-hmm. like and you must be whatever which like maybe i guess if they had like another female character that was the more like stuffy like good girl or what the fuck ever of like the prude then mm-hmm. i'd be like damn they're really leaning into that but like yeah, there's n- girl that satan shit like this <laughs> once again to iterate this shit is not written well. Like, it is thrown in. Because, yeah, at the end when they're like, the circle is complete. And it's like, there is no mention, that at least that I thought, <laughs> of like, we have to kill these guys tonight for, like, the ritual. It literally yeah. is just being like, we don't have enough meat for the orders. Go out on the street and find some more yeah. people. Our business is expanding. We are doing well. We need more bodies to fill the, yeah. the pastry. We need it. I mean, and I love, I would say the thing I love the most about this film is the mm. set design because mm. throughout the whole film, there's really great moments like you already mentioned, the like fucking Ed Gein inspired fucking skin tapestry on the wall. Beautiful. Loved it. Um, and I'm sure we will discuss all of the um, sets for the bedrooms, which I know you talked about in your oh, letterbox God, review. Yeah. Um, but like even near the end of the film, like they just have so many bodies on hand that in one of the last scenes with Magnolia and the PI, she's like, looking around and like opening the fridge and opening cabinets and there's just like limbs and hands and body parts all over the place like that kitchen has so many dead bodies in it just like hidden yes. in every nook and cranny and I think it's really fun really really silly I love a good body part I agree really. a thousand percent I was also making note of the fact that on this rewatch the, I think the first 20 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. maybe this is I don't know that it's too strong of a word but I think it sucks. I agree. I remember watching the first 20 minutes because, like, that's also when, like, that was the shit we were already discussing, which we don't need to keep bringing up, um, was, like, very much – I was like, oh, I forgot about all this. And, like, nothing is quite happening yet. And I was like, damn, why did I like this movie so much? I was like, was I crazy? I was like, and why then, are we doing this? <laughs> and then the first, like, I feel like really good death happens. And I was yeah. like, there it was. And then the after that point – I was like, there it is. And then after that point, like, there's still a little bit of time, like, build up. But I was like, okay, we at least got something. And then I think once the band is introduced, once again, Mm -hmm. other than a few, like, throwaway lines where I was like, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that because why the fuck would we be saying that? It gets really, really fun. Like, when I think when it's, it's its strongest, when it is completely leaning into, like, 
absolute absurdity like why the fuck is this happening and why the fuck is nobody questioning it i mean like beginning with like goddamn baby coming in in like an a, a huge a huge stroller like a comically big clown stroller after they get her out of her bedroom out of a comically big crib with a comically big like baby bottle it's nutso and then from that point on yeah and as you brought up with the, the design like I, we have to talk about like the bedrooms because after dinner, when it's like time to start dropping them like flies, and each girl goes off, and you go, you see three bedrooms because you see baby's bedroom in which Magnolia makes a kill, and then you see um, fucking Coral and Fawn's bedrooms. But Sky yep. takes her date down to the basement, basement where the meat is cooked, which even that, like, I wouldn't say it's as fun as the bedrooms, but it's still like a fun, like, yeah, like, you know, Sweeney Todd, Miss Lovett going down to the fucking furnaces moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fucking rooms, the bedrooms, literally look like miniature golf courses from hell. And I, I you, if you have not seen this movie yet and you don't plan to watch it, literally just pull it up and, like, scrub just so you can see these bedrooms. It's nuts. Each one, every single one, lit by blacklight. It looks like you are literally at an indoor mall miniature golf course where everything is painted with like the black light paint. So mm-hmm. it will like pop. Um, and it's just nuts because like baby's room is like surrounded by like fences that are like glued with a fuckload of like baby dolls. And then you get to Fawn's room and it kind of looks like, I don't even know how you would describe it. Like, it looks like Stonehenge. Yes, like Stonehenge, like very prehistoric. There's a shower moment that I have to bring up specifically because of you. Um, And then you get to, I think, my favorite room, um, which is Corals, which is, it is like the most miniature golf. Like you might have have a fucking huge skull like fucking in there. It's two fucking giant like paper mache looking snakes that are like lit up beyond green. (laughs) But... Let me go back to Fawn because twice on this podcast, we have taken a fucking moment to talk about shower scenes. When we did Jack Frost, you were irate oh my God. about the shower I scene. Can't. Because why Ten the fuck would she dry her hair and then get in the tub? Absolutely. And then in Sorority Babes and the Slime Bubble Rama, which actually I think came first, we talked about the infamous shower scene with, I believe, with Taffy. Cream with cream that would never come off and also water pressure on fucking non-existent and no fucking shower (laughs) curtain what are we doing um and this she goes into her room to fuck fawn does in her stonehenge room and she's like i gotta shower quick and it's like this extended scene in which she walks behind a pillar and is like now suddenly like backlit so it's just Mm -hmm. like her silhouette and she's naked and there is suddenly just like a shower head floating, like just like there's it's there's no bathroom. Like she's still like in the same room. And the shower does not spray water. It seemingly sprays air that then attached to the shower head has like streamers attached mm-hmm. to it. So it's just this like like looks like it's like a it looks like you're playing pretend with like a Barbie. Um yeah. like type shit. And it goes on for like a, a a minute or so of like just like sexy music, her like pretending to shower, but there's no water coming out. And I had to get your opinion on it because I feel like you're the the shower correspondent. <laughs> oh well thank you so much. <laughs> um, I actually loved the shower scene. I thought it was okay, good. excellent because 
I mean, I don't know if it was just um, budgetary issues or if it was meant to be that way in the film. I personally like to think that she, like in the film, in the context of these characters, like he knows she's not actually in the shower. Like she's doing it to like give him a little bit of a show. And I just think it's really fun. It kind of reminded me of um, the dance sequence in Return of the Living Dead with Linnea Quigley when she's like on the the gravestone. Um, It does go on for a long time because like first she like strips her like little stockings off and then she's doing that and then she has to like get the robe on. But I think it's really fun. I think it's sexy. Um, I mean, if I had that body and I had that space to do that, yeah, it, it oh, felt girl. you could felt stop kind of me. like a, it felt like um like it felt like a performance just for just for me and I liked that. Yes. And then um <laughs> an- while that cuz that happened cuz I think yeah, it, she Magnolia kills first in baby's room when she takes mm-hmm. what's his name into baby's room and he wants to be like, you know, she wants to be chained up, which he finds cha- <laughs> Like, I have to make no. This motherfucker wants his dick wet, wet uh, more than anyone I've ever seen my whole fucking life. Because holy shit, you're, so much crazy shit is already happening, I feel like. The vibes are off. They're not on, I can tell you that. And they're at dinner with these crazy ass amount of candles. And a satanic prayer is happening. And they're like, ooh, so funny. And then they're like, let's go get baby. They push baby out in this big ass stroller. They are all like gobsmacked. They're like, what the fuck? But then immediately they're like, huh, great bit. So funny. Um, and then she's like, oh, will you bring baby back to her room with me? Help me bring her back. And he's like, yeah. They go back to baby's room. He sees the crazy room. Still doesn't think like I should fucking run for my life. Then he sees chains hanging from the ceiling. And he isn't like, yeah, I'm about to die in this bitch. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, like, what are the chains for? She's like, oh, we have to chain baby up because she gets violent sometimes or whatever. And he's, once again, doesn't really question that either. He's like, yeah, I like to be, like, chained up or, like, restrained. Like, Magnolia just, like, over here is like, that's fuck. my favorite. Love it. Yeah, like, and then, like, yeah, chains him up and then he ultimately gets, like, his throat ripped out by baby, which is fine. My biggest issue with that man is that he wants to get his dick wet so bad that he lets her – there's a handcuff. Is that what it is? Yeah, something like that, yeah. He's like handcuffed or tied to the bed or whatever. But what fucking makes me irate is that it's not Magnolia who's kissing his neck and making no. him groan. It's the fucking baby. And I know, I, into it. I – even if you think it's a fucking bit, maybe question the fact that you're letting a grown woman – dressed as a baby in a crib fucking nibble on your neck in a sexual no, way girl beyond like, inappropriate there's no there's i'm sorry but like men i'm not excusing <laughs> it but like i'm not shocked in the slightest that like it's so different where like we watch the baby with a man i mean we feel this way about any adult baby regardless of gender because <laughs> any we adult are, baby. we're normal people to a certain <laughs> extent at least but like in terms of just, you know, we'll we'll play it how it was. In the baby, we're obviously disgusted by this man baby. We're like, one, because, like, he doesn't have any control over it in that movie. Like, it is, like, literally a child just happens to be in a man's body. But yeah. regardless, even if it was, like, a put on, like, no. No to all of it. Fuck that. Um, and I cannot say I'm shocked even for a second that, like, oh, this sexy, you know, fucking Playboy bunny dresses like a baby game baby stuff. She doesn't even talk. She just makes baby noises. Like, <laughs> let's be fucking clear. And th- they're obviously hard as fuck for that shit. Like, please. 
Like they, they, they yeah. just are. Like men I are know. disgusting animals. Like I, Ugh. I was when he started kissing her neck. Like I did make note. I was like, oh, there's so he's gonna. I guess like think he's getting a three way or whatever. But I was like, like this fucking adult baby woman. He doesn't care, bro. Like who also I, was like related to her. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, the idea that all these girls are related, please. Was also, well, I mean, yeah. Well, that's another question. It's like, so it's obviously like, I'm sure to a certain degree, we're supposed to assume it's like a satanic cult on top of being a business because like, why do all these girls live there? I mean, it was giving Manson family when she, when I think it's Magnolia drives up on the property for the first time, it looks like literally like the ranch from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. She um, does, Auntie Lee does make reference to Magnolia's mother though. At one point. So I do think that she, at least she is Auntie Lee's yeah. biological niece. And I, and even though Larry also refers to Auntie Lee as Auntie Lee, she says he's it's her brother. Her brother, yeah. So um, I think that there's some kind of family dynamic going on there. But, like, I I definitely don't know the well, full. Well, I think they all definitely, like, treat each other as, like, a family. Like, you yeah. know, whether they're, like, in this cult. Like, you know, we're all a family now. But, like, I do not believe that all of these – I mean, I guess and unless Auntie Lee, like – had several sisters that then all are now out of the picture and she's taken their daughters in. Well, but. she had one sister who just had a lot of different lovers of all kinds. That's true. That's true. Um, but what I really wanted to say, jumping forward <laughs> past Magnolia, past Fawn, to Coral in her mm. snake room. Yeah. It's already nuts. Like, everything at this point is crazy. And I love that. I'm like, keep the fucking crazy coming. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like be like, what the fuck? But love it the whole time. I forgot. Because it's like literally a quick cut. Like, there's no explanation unless I'm fucking blacked out. She has him in her room. And she's like, oh, like, whatever. Like, the, the, the whole, she has like a snake, like, container in it, too. Like, with a real snake. Yes. Um, oh, I hated that. She's blah, blah being sexy and all of a sudden it cuts and she's doing like a, a stripped-esque tease for him like a see-through like lingerie moment whatever which ultimately leads to him being impaled by one of the giant snakes but when they do this quick cut and they cut back to him suddenly he's in like full face and body like orange paint with like black yeah. grease paint around his eyes i was like what was yeah. that i had to like scrub it back i was like when did he when did he get into that also what is he supposed to be dressed as like it's not entirely clear what why other than just to be like because we wanted to it's kind (laughs) of giving like the crow makeup a little bit um but he's orange too it's giving tony the tiger like i was like what the fuck are we doing she was just like hey we're in this cool lit room let's like paint and let me put the black light paint all over you yeah yeah, I, I don't loved really it know. because it made it zero. But I don't really sense. care. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to go far back to what you were saying, I I completely agree that I think that the first I would even go as far as to say maybe forty minutes of the of the opening is is pretty weak. I think that, like you said, everything up until Fawn killing Bob Evans, I'm like I don't fucking care. Especially the first time we meet Fawn when she's delivering pies to Mr. Pasquale and he can't he's like oh, yeah, yeah. so hard he looks like he's gonna come at any fucking moment he's like oh oh for you oh and I'm like I hate it it's like the <laughs> cringiest fucking scene I've possibly and ever seen have, I like, felt violated old decrepit wife that's like <laughs> yeah hussy but like this man literally I think at one point he says like oh excuse me like a very Italian and I was like <laughs> what, what is happening it was truly fucking 
heinous and I, I needed to like immediately shower after watching it. Um, so I, from that, I was like, I, I don't know why, like why Anya is into this vulgar shit. I do not care for this. And then that cool death happened. And then again, it kind of like lost me. It kind of just like spent so much time, I think, trying to establish all of the characters because there are so many characters considering like what kind of film this is. Because like you have the five yes. women, you have Larry, you have the sheriff, you have the, the investigator, like there's, a, and then you have all of the men. So I feel like it takes a while. And then once we finally like are doing the like, this is the main plot of like these four rock stars, then it very much finds its footing and it can like be silly and be like, extra there's a lot of shots that I feel like are really beautifully shot of like a lot of um like shadows on the wall and watching things like as shadows instead of like the actual actors I think is really cool and obviously even though like logically the bedrooms don't make any sense to me because I'm like oh how deep is this bedroom I don't understand the spatial like the spatial awareness of this is like beyond they're living in a warehouse Um, girl (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fascinating. The blueprint on that house must be insane. But yeah, yeah, when it leans into like the silly, stupid campiness of it, I really like it, and I have a lot of fun yeah. with it. But then, then, then they have to fucking come back with lines. I wrote some lines I hated. Lines like <laughs> when the private investigator says, <clears throat> "Oh, Magnolia says you like to make love," and he says, "Didn't I tell you I'm a professional dick?" Oh boy, oh, yeah. you're making it really hard on me in more ways than one. And I'm like, this is what I don't want. This no. enough. Enough of it. And Fawn specifically was driving me crazy because she would like lean into it. Whereas like Magnolia was kind of like, whatever, I'm too good for you. That's yeah. the energy I needed. And Fawn was always like, boobies out, ready to like take any disgusting compliment and like thrive on it. I hated it. yeah I mean to be fair I think like uh, I would hope to harness more of like the magnolia in terms of like yeah like being like you wish you could have this but ultimately I guess even with fawn even though like sure she's like I'll take it all like I think it's because like debatably we're supposed to also feel like she has the most bloodlust like she so she's the oldest yeah and she has the most bloodlust and I think that like I think that plays into that a little bit of being like oh I don't give a fuck like I'll take any compliment if you'll come back and like think you're gonna fuck me and then I'll get to kill you too like it ultimately mm-hmm. just leads to murder for her like because as far as we see like she's not actually fucking these people um, I just want to know that she hates it you know I want to like see in her eyes that she is also disgusted and I don't. But, but I, I feel wish like I did. The, the thing is, like, she's not. And I think because she equates getting, even if it's like the most disgusting man she would never touch, she equates getting that compliment to being like, to the excitement of like, oh my God, a fresh kill. Like, I know. And she correlates them. So she's never going to like separate them. Me like doing this character work for Fawn. Um, <laughs> no, she's really deep. And the director's um, like, I don't know. I think she just likes to fuck. No, literally. Um, All right, so I think it's now a perfect time to get into our meaty, meaty, meaty (laughs) hue and slay. The girls who cried be horror. All right, Alex. Yeah. Start this puppy off. Even because because you just went through with um some lines you fucking hated. Oh, there's so many. What's your favorite line from this movie? There was a a period of time where I was like, 
oh no, am I only going to have lines I hate? Because it was just so, I feel like any opportunity that the writer got to like throw in like a pun or like a cheeky little one-liner, a double entendre, but like, it's about my dick actually. They did it. And I was like, oh my God, so like heavy handed. It was like unbearable, but there were some good lines. Um, I don't know if the director is like, from Boston or something, but there's a lot of hate towards New York in this film. I just want to make that known. There are like oh, yes. five or six different moments where they're talking shit about people in New York, like over and over again. And so my favorite line is the first time they do it when this private investigator, piece of shit, fucking white guy, thinks he can do whatever he wants, has taken over the sheriff's desk and is just like feet propped up on the fucking phone with like his boss and the sheriff comes in and is like, what are you, who are you? First of all, what are you doing in my seat? And after they have had their initial conversation, um, the investigator says, Hey, chill out chief. I'm not the kind of guy you want to push around. I'm from New York. And the chief goes, you and every other asshole I know. And I was like, oh, I love that. And then it just continued on with the New York trashing, which I thought was really fun. Well, as someone who is from New York, I mean, I just hope that I'm, you know, your favorite asshole. Well, you're from Albany. It's different. That's literally in New York State, bitch. Yeah, but it's not New York City. I feel like it's like he's like talking shit on like people who live in the city. You know? <sighs> Whatever. What about you? Um, <laughs> I had a few lines. Um, with, so I'll say all three. One is Harold, the private investigator, within that same scene when the sheriff is getting, like, pissed off at him for being in his office. And he gets up and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And he says, who pissed in your cornflakes? Um, that line, like, because that's, like, a, a saying that there's iterations of, like, who pissed in your fucking Cheerios or what the fuck ever. Mm-hmm. That Bridget and I have always thought is, like, really funny. Just because it's, like, I think, the, the you know, to be juvenile, the word pissed and then also, like, the specificity of, like, saying a specific cereal mm-hmm. is, like, just incredibly funny to me for no fucking reason. So when he said that, I was like, damn, it's good every time. It's <laughs> funny every time. Um, but more on brand for the movie, and I feel like probably more fun in general, is Fawn's line right before she makes her kill in Stonehenge bedroom in which she says, you know, I'm probably different than most of the girls you've known. In that I don't have to know a man to love him. I just have to love a man to kill him. And then she gouges his fucking eyes out. Um, Yes, she does. Great. Love it. Absolutely stand behind it. And then also a a last line as someone is dying is Sky making the kill with like the hook in the basement. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's like flailing for his life and dying. And she's so excited. And she's like, sweet death. The final act of eroticism. Um, (laughs) Which is just like, I was like, yeah, this is the energy I wish for all like 140, not 140 minutes, Jesus, uh, hour 40 we were getting. Unfortunately, we're not, but I will take it when I get it. Yeah. Full satanic bloodlust. I also jotted down one more, which was early on in the film when Magnolia first comes back to the house and is telling Auntie Lee that she got like attacked by the fucking hitchhiker. And Auntie Lee's like at first kind of like, like victim blaming and being like why are you getting in fights with these men and then she says it's just that damn italian blood in you i never could get your mother to stay away from those puny little grease balls and their elevator shoes 
And I loved the description, but also I just thought it was funny because I'm married to an Italian. So I was like, puny, I'm going to call him a puny little grease ball later. What mm. is your favorite kill or special effect in this film? Good question. Um, because, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's I bad. Yeah, it Good question. Where'd you come up with that? Um, it's very much backloaded, I feel like, with a bunch of the fun shit. Um mm-hmm. And obviously I went into how much I fucking love those goddamn rooms. Even with all of that being said, um, my favorite is the closet decapitation, which is technically the second death of the film because the first one starts with whatever the fuck that lughead I guess it's technically is. the third because the priest dies too. Oh, that's true. That's true. I guess at the hands of the girls I, I, mm-hmm. I'm referring to. Um, yeah. But yeah, she oh, brings yeah. Bob – Fawn brings Bob Evans home. She like picks him up the side of the road, already having not so conversation with him in the car, brings him to her house. It's like immediately she's like, let's fuck. Let me make sure Auntie oh, Lee yeah. isn't going to come in. And it's just like, he's just like, okay, yeah, hurry, hurry. And you're like, you're both. And he's like eating her cookies. It pissed me off. Eating her cookie, girl. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, but then she's like, she asked him to get something. I don't remember what it is. I don't know that it's important. She asked she him to get, to get like, him glasses. Yes. Out of like the cups. cabinet. Which mm-hmm. it's already weird because she's like, it's the way she's saying is like, yeah, in that cupboard over there. Which like, why the fuck wouldn't she get glasses in her own home? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she has, he has to walk further to get them. But he's like, okay, goes into this closet, this walk-in pantry. Immediately she closes the door. It's like dark in there. He doesn't think at all like, hey, why'd you close the door? He's like, yeah, all right, let's see what we got going on here. And at this point, as I said, like in the movie, I'm like, even the first time watching it, I was like, when is it going to be fun? Like. Hello, Auntie Lee's meat pies. Where is the fun? And then she's like on the outside of the door, like in heat. And you're like, is she good? And then she flips like a light switch, which it's like some like fucking Rube Goldberg machine ass like thing. I don't entirely know what it is, but whatever it is, it like like slices across the cabinet, instantly decapitates him. Which already is fun and crazy but the way it's done it is practical so it's like a fake dummy head like on like a body that like someone is clearly like underneath like you know holding up or whatever um and it, I, it was it the way it is delivered in the movie after like yeah 20 solid minutes of being like damn this is not gonna be fun and then they're like we got you it is fun look at this interpretation <laughs> and i was like ah you're right you got me um so yeah i just have a lot of love in my heart for that closet decapitation it has to be my favorite yeah i was going between two because that was initially my my choice as well because i mean yeah it's it did make me sit up and be like oh here we go finally but like like you were describing once the head like literally flies off that body it is a quick decapitation there's like mm-hmm. no blood which is like whatever but I love the way that whoever was operating the body like throws the hands up to like be like to like reach for the missing head. It's very fun. And then very they do like the Muppet Sweeney coded. Todd. Yeah, they do the very Sweeney Todd thing of like then yeah. like opens and his body like rolls down into the basement where the meat is. Love that. So much fun. Yeah, um, it's great. Uh, yeah. I love that death. It's a great death. So if I'm going to go with a different one, I will go with – um, the private investigator's death because that sequence is just so fun and it's kind of like the last big like death sequence because all of the women 
get their own diving moment, which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah. Because Fawn is out doing her nightly laps because she's the oldest. So it's really important that she stays fit. She's so fucking she's geriatric, doing, apparently. Yeah, she's the hottest body I've ever seen. I'm like, yeah, she has to do her nightly laps. She's so old. Um, so she gets her moment. And then she they do like a a POV shot of from like his perspective of like her coming out of the water with like her glistening tits and being like, oh, hi. And then Magnolia gets to dive in. And then all of a sudden, all of the nieces are coming out as they're swimming in the pool. And the fucking Sky's bikini, I just have to make note about Sky's bikini because uh. it is like – painted onto her body in like the tiniest strips so much so that when she dives into the water the force of the water like rips her tops aside so her tits are just hanging out it's incredible and then coral gets one and i'm like you you just get to admire all of these beautiful women's bodies in the water and i was like oh so nice and then they all start doing like a fucking whirlpool thing around him and like giggling and he's just kind of like <laughs> what's happening they're playing mermaids like, they are like the more the longer they do it, the more like absolutely fucking unhinged it feels because they're just like the laughter is getting louder and they're just like creating a fucking vortex in the in the pool. Yeah. And then they all just start fucking like in unison, like stabbing the shit out of him. And then of course Auntie Lee pops up on the fucking deck of the pool with the red glow behind her, chanting to Satan and like throwing shit into the water. It's a lot, and I really appreciate it. I feel like if you're going to have a family murder moment, that's how you do it. No, it's it's so fun. It's it's the best way to, like, go out of a movie where, like, prior to this, like, your kills were, yeah, like, golf course, like, mini golf course from hell, laser tag course <laughs> yeah. from hell. Um, and you're like, how do you end it? And it's like, well, you have to end it with a satanic stabbing whirlpool. I love obviously. that. Um, Sign me up. Great stuff, exactly. I, I do remember the days of like being in the pool, like even just like, the blow up kitty pool, and being like, "We all have to swim this way, so we create a whirlpool," <laughs> and then we like, try to swim oh, yeah. against it. Yeah, I literally had a pool when I was growing up, like an above ground pool, and I would just for hours by myself just make a whirlpool and then go against it. Like this is my exercise. I'm getting going to get really fit, and then just try to swim against the current. It's hard. I used to love. This is so fucking stupid. I would go outside. I don't. It was like a fucking drug. I remember my parents at one point being like, "Don't do that." I don't know why entirely, but I was like, oh, "Is it really bad for you?" I would go outside. I would just stand like straight on the middle of the yard, arms out like airplane arms, and then just like spin in a circle, just go in a circle. And I just like it just like tripping on my own two feet, trying to go as fast as I can because then like you'd like you go as fast as you can, go fast as you can for as long as you can, and then you just fall and lie back on the ground, and the whole like like sky would be spinning, and it was so fun. But I remember my parents being like, "Don't do that! Don't do that!" And I was like, "Why? Because you want me to have? Because you're gonna fucking fall and hit your head. You're gonna have permanent brain damage." Um, That's great. But I, that really was a thrill for me as a child. Um, <laughs> the simple things for free. So much fun for free. All right. Yeah. Um, who mm -hmm. would be your partner in crime if you were living in Auntie Lies, Jesus, Auntie Lee's meat pies? You know, I thought about a couple people, but the only one that really felt true to myself was Larry. I just mm -hmm. loved Larry. Yeah. I love Michael Berryman. I think he's a fucking delight. I think the character of Larry is very sweet. He has no malice. I feel like a lot of the men, I will say maybe aside from the sheriff, because I feel like 
even though the sheriff kind of like infantilizes the women in this family in a lot of ways by being like, don't worry, sweet girl, you sit down. He's also not actively trying to fuck them. And I appreciate that. But aside from him, I feel like Larry's kind of the only like pure soul in this film. And I think he's really kind, really helpful, really sweet. And I love that he's wants to be like a police officer, not because he wants to have power, but because he's like, I could be a good police officer. I could do good. And I think that's really beautiful. So I love him and I pick him. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I also picked Larry. I think with the police officer thing, it's very much like he has a childlike view of what a cop is. Yeah. Of like, if you ask a kid, I think most children, if they want to be police officers, it's because like, probably because they want to do good. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas like as an adult, it's like you probably want power and you're probably corrupt. Um, But I love him. Everything you said, I agree with. I mean, at the top of the fucking episode, I was talking about how I think he he is such a sweet energy and demeanor. So I feel like already I'd want to be around that. And yeah, like he does. So he's 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 very sweet. It's very like. I said, like, Winnie the Blue earlier, but there is just, like, a tender, like, sweetness to it where he's, like, okay, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, I'll fix your car. Like, and they're, like, me, like, at least Fawn is, they're like, so him. She's, like, yeah. what is this, like, this tire or whatever? Like, it's so dirty. Like, you gotta clean the rims. Like, and he's, like, oh, I'm sorry. And he, like, beats himself up over it. It's very mm-hmm. sad. Um, And ultimately, like, I love the reveal when he's at... I don't know if it's at the gas station. He's somewhere later. And it's when the police officer, the the sheriff is like helping him organize the trunk of his car. And he finds Mm -hmm. the garbage bag. And he's like, no, no, don't look in there. And he like opens it up. And it's like, just like bloody body parts. And I I think in particular that seems really funny. Because it's just like, once again, this big reveal moment of like, holy shit, he's going to find the evidence. And it plays very much like, oh, oops. We're supposed to see that. You're just yeah. like, wop wop, Larry. But and immediately he it doesn't even feel like he's thinking about it. It doesn't even feel like he's like, oh shit, no. what should I say? Immediately he's like, I did it because they and he and it's also sad because like we know that I think we're at least supposed to know that like these are body parts that the girls killed and he's you know, because it's her car. Without hesitation, he's like, I did it, takes the fall for them. What a champ. But then his whole thing is like, because they made fun of me. They kept making fun of like how I like look and all this stuff. And you're like, Larry, I know that's like not true, but like, do are people making fun of you though? Like, who's making fun of you, Larry? I'll fuck him up. Um Yeah, I love him. I love Larry. I would not be mean to him and I, you know, love a handyman and love somebody that's uh Willing to take the fall for me. Love, Larry. <laughs> yeah, Larry's the fucking best. Um, okay. Well, Anya, did you think of an original question? I did. Ask it me. took me a fucking while. You would think that with a movie this crazy, it'd be easy. But, like, debatably, it gets harder. Because I'm just like... And also because, because we know we try so not well. to repeat. We try not to repeat. And we know each other so well that sometimes I'm like... There's, like, two answers to this question. And one's going to be mine. One's going to be hers. Like, there's just, like... There's no, like, I know what you're going to say already. So I'm just like, I like to, like, be surprised. So what I came up with, of the girls, other than Baby, which we're, low-key, we're trying to wipe Baby from fucking memory at this point. (laughs) I don't know who that is. Of the Thor main nieces, we have Mm -hmm. Fawn, Coral, Magnolia, Sky. They all have names that are very, like, nature-oriented, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, despite the Mm -hmm. fact that they're, like... I mean, I guess Satan, what actual Satanism is, I believe, also has a lot of ties to, like, nature and stuff. But, like, in terms of, like, what this movie is, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the idea of Satanism that, like, most people think they understand. Anyways, 
essentially very like lovely like nature oriented names for these like evil killer girls so my mm-hmm. question for you is if you are the fifth niece what would your name be what would your like naturey ass name be oh how beautiful um well i immediately gravitate towards probably like a floral name mm-hmm. and i feel like my favorite flower is a daisy so i feel like i would probably go with daisy Daisy's cute, and I absolutely see that for you. I feel like I would be Daisy. Yeah. Daisy. Well, we might have, like, matching kind of names because, like, I was like, oh, what would I be? And I was like, this is going to sound dumb. And you know what? It probably is. I don't give a fuck. I was like, oh, well, like, I feel like I would want to be Dandelion. Dandy for Ooh. sure. Because um, I love – I just like Dandy, the, the abbreviation. I think that's fun. And it's like Dandy. Like, I don't know. There's something like – tomboy-esque about it and not that I overtly think of myself as a tomboy but I think because I have like a shaved head there's more of like Mm -hmm. I guess a perceived masculinity about me which it is what it is um but growing up back to our childhoods again you know we lived in suburbia we had plenty of goddamn dandelions growing up and we did not treat them like weeds we loved dandelions my brother would always pick dandelions for my mom and she would put them in like a fucking like little jar and keep them mm-hmm. we'd do the like Aww. do you like butter shit where you like rub it on your chin and if your chin turns yellow which like it most likely will means you like butter um mm-hmm. and i have rabbits and when we had our rabbits that when they would roam in the yard we'd go out and watch mm-hmm. them um because we lived in new york and you know at least at that time the summers weren't you know global warming you're gonna die instantly being in the sun they would eat the dandelions. They loved dandelions. They loved the stems. They loved the flowers. So I'd be dandelion and then I'd claw your fucking eyes out or something. I think that's really beautiful. The only thing about the name Dandy that makes me think of is fucking that uh, Finn Wittrop character. I fucking – An American I Horror Story that. freak show. Fucking Dandy Mots being a piece of shit. God. <sighs> yeah. But I do think Dandy's really cute for you, not for him. Um, Daisy and Dandy. I love that. Oh my god, what a dynamic duo. Wow. Well, I had actually I also typically struggle to think of an original question, but the second the movie ended, I was like, I have my question. But then I immediately was like, I think that's gonna be her question. So I came up with a backup. Okay. But no longer necessary because you did not have the question I had. Similarly, if you were the fifth niece of this family. What theme would your golf course bedroom have? I did think about that as a question. So it was wise of you to have a backup. Um, but then I was like, I don't know what my answer would be. So I'm not going to ask it. <laughs> um, yeah, you should have thought of it anyway. Um, what, what theme would it be? Okay, so obviously they had Stonehenge in the movie, I guess, like baby prison and fucking yeah. um, snakes. What would my golf course theme be? I... Even though I don't know that this necessarily correlates to, like, me as a person, but when I think Mm -hmm. of miniature golf courses and, like, growing up in New York and we would go in any summertime, you know, you drive up to, like, George, you go to, like, or, like, something like that, like, and I feel like in those, like, lake towns or whatever – you, fucking he just popped up behind you and scared i know <laughs> scared me too uh, everyone listening fucking <laughs> holy shit Gruber, her cat just popped up over her shoulder but like only a part of him and i was like <laughs> at first i was like someone's in the house and they're gonna kill her ass and i was like oh, he's like a fluffy lion like, who is that puppet <laughs> And oh, he, yeah. I just 
saw his very fluffy head just emerge over my shoulder and I was like, what the fuck? I need to save the video from this recording so I can put that up because that shit was scary. Any fucking ways, that scared the living life out of me. Anyways. I'll say back to what I was saying when you go to those towns in the summer they have a lot of miniature golf courses like that's like because they're like towns people go to in the summer like and that's where they make the money they have ice cream shops like all that shit and every time we pass by one the always the thing that draws me and how I know that your miniature golf course probably fucks is if you have the mm-hmm. giant skull, if you have the giant pirate <laughs> skull so my miniature golf bedroom would be like pirate miniature golf but like <laughs> most importantly we have to have like the big skull um, the big paper mache skull they gotta hit the golf ball into. I fucking love that. It like hypes me up. Every time I see it, I'm like, let's fucking pull over. <laughs> um and I think, you know, in general, like spooky and you know, I grew up I was a big part of the Caribbean girl growing up. So oh. going back to my roots. So that's my theme. Wow. Pirate. That's like Skull Island. When I think of when I think of mini golf courses, I genuinely think pirate first because when I was growing up, we used to go to Maine every summer and there was a golf course called Pirate's Cove that you either did like the Blackbeard Trail or you did whatever the other fucking one was. We always did Blackbeard. And it was very cool. You know, you would, there was always that hole like in the cave with like the fake skeletons behind the bars. I think that's very fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, that checks out. Mine is not necessarily like golf course themed, but you know, I went more like the neon kind of energy that they have where my room would very much have the essence of like your like very pink candy shop kind of thing where like Mm -hmm. it would be very like baking aesthetic where I have like I would probably have like a wall of like baking tools that would double as my like fucking hostel level Jesus like torture devices Uh, but I would have like that bisexual lighting it would be a vibe you know I would have like I'd have a little candy for them to munch on as I like prepared my weapons. It would be like, you know, your standard little, I like candy shop you see on like the Cape, you know? Yeah. But in, in my house exactly with bisexual lady. About. With yeah. that saltwater taffy bitch. I know Ooh, yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Maybe it's um, poison. Who knows? Probably is. Um, well, love it. Well, to close everything out, as per usual, oh we have to give our overall rating of the film on our foolproof scale. Um, <laughs> yeah. Never changing it. Um, okay. Well, uh, I can go first because I selected this movie. Okay. Um, I am going to give this a solid dumb jock which is three out of five. Originally when I watched it and when I have it rated on Letterboxd is mm-hmm. three and a half, but I know that sometimes I try to avoid doing the half ratings on the pod, you know, for clarity. Not that it's any clearer with our goddamn rating system. But I think after this rewatch and like, especially on the second time, I think because I, when I watched it the first time, didn't know anything. And then I was like, at the end, I was like, well, that was fun. Like I had a lot of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think on the second time, all the shit we were talking about at the top of the episode with like the, the weird mm-hmm. rain shit going in second time being like, I know this movie's fun. I can't wait. And then like that really <laughs> bogged it down where I was yeah. like, Oh, I forgot about this shit. That kind of decreases it somewhat. So I still really have fun with it. I can absolutely see myself watching this again. And I want that goddamn vinegar syndrome DVD. So I'm going dumb jock right down the middle. I have never been this torn on a rating before because I feel like I have just like two clashing opinions where like all of the stuff I really like, like the set design 
and the kills and some of the characters I really liked, but also like the things we've talked about, there were so many moments where these men just like gave me such full body ick that I was like, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. So it's so difficult yeah. to like, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go two stars, stoner bro, okay. simply because I think that the acting is bad. And I also think, and I think that Karen Black's acting is bad. I'm so sorry if that's, uh, you know, blasphemous to say, but like, I think this kind of role needed like that Susan Tyrell energy. The and we're we, always just asking for Susan Tyrell to fucking be in everything. I know, but like, I just feel like the dialogue is so campy and silly that like, you have to deliver it in a certain way. And there were so many lines that felt so fucking stiff. I was like, I already feel like I'm watching AI happen. Like, it's so bad. And the fact that I think Magnolia and Fawn delivered some of their lines a little stronger than, like, Karen Black is questionable. So I was torn between two and two and a half. I'm going to go two because I can't forget the ick. Yeah. And I can't get over the acting. It's interesting what you say about Karen Black because I think – if Susan Tyrell, like someone like that, took on this performance and delivered those lines in a different way, it would be a completely different performance to a certain degree. But I don't overtly dislike Karen's last performance. She definitely, like, yeah, there's, like, a weird, like, stiffness to her delivery a lot of the time. But for me, in a weird way, I'm like, they're batshit. I don't know what's going on. They're weird. And that's working somehow. I'm just like, yeah, this lady's crazy. Like, I'm not even going to try to read into, like, why isn't she saying this normal? I'm just like, yeah, obviously she's not. Like, because she's fucking crazy like i don't know what to tell you um but you know what to each their own a goddamn yeah. opinion um well that was 1992's auntie lee's meat pies once again streaming on tubi if we enticed you enough to check it out if you didn't already do so um this is our august episode the summer got through this month y'all and then oh, i know although in la like september sometimes is like the fucking hottest so yeah but we're getting closer to our time I know. It's spooky time. I know. I just like pray that it's still not 90 fucking degrees in October. Like, I don't need it to be That'd like cold, cold yet, but like, you know, 70. I'll fucking deal with 70. That's fine. Um, anyways, on a tangent. But thank you always for listening. Um, we're glad to have you here. And I don't know that it's in our outro, but I was tweaking. <laughs> Somewhere else. I was like thinking about 10 different things I did. I was like, um, I don't like an out of body Jim Carrey experience. Anyways, wonderful. (laughs) I don't think it's mentioned in our outro, but we have a TikTok. Um, and if it is mentioned in our outro, pretend I didn't say that and just fucking <laughs> move on. But we have a TikTok. Um, you should check it out. Um, because if you don't follow us on Instagram or sometimes if you just miss it on Instagram, we post fun, like real TikTok S things there from clips from our podcast. Um, we are at the girls who cried be horror on TikTok. It's very simple, very easy to remember. Um, so check us out. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a fucking repost. I don't know. Anyways, love you fuckers so much <laughs> so going crazy um and as always keep it creepy bye you greasy fucks yeah bye fucking italian grease balls <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, creeps, and thanks for listening to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We'd like to take a minute to give thanks to Rachel Baldwin, who is the mastermind behind our incredible new intro music. You can follow her on Instagram at Rachel K. Baldwin, and all of her other music is available to stream on all major streaming platforms. We'd also like to thank Raymond Lowell, who's the incredible artist behind our podcast, Artwork. You can follow him on Instagram at rblowell to see all his other incredible work. And then for your two lovely hosts, Alex can be found on Letterboxd at Alex Branley, and I, Anya, can be found on Letterboxd at agarity 15 as well as Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up to date on all things related to our podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, follow us on Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH, and if you'd like to send us a message very personally, you can email us at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. Until next time, creeps, keep it creepy.